The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I am Steven Serta. Busy week for the Kansas City Chiefs as they look to defeat the New York Jets in week four on Sunday night football. Maybe Taylor Swift makes another appearance against the Jets. Well, we got plenty to discuss outside of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's romance. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, discussing their marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' dominating Week 3 win against the Bears. After that, it's the Out of Structure podcast, breaking down the Chiefs' impressive defensive start to the season. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show. It's our first look against this New York Jets team. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, breaking down the Chiefs and Jets a little bit more. And then we will wrap things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday night against this tough Jets defense. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. Years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, the Chiefs completely embarrassed and smacked the Chicago Bears 41 to 10. Uh, yesterday, Andy Reid doesn't really like to take out Mahomes too often, even in these blowouts, but Mahomes was out midway through the third quarter uh, after he had three touchdowns and 200 and some odd yards. And so Blaine Gabbard came in and <laughs> ended up throwing two interceptions. Not great, but it didn't matter. 41 to 10 <laughs> was the final. John, I already burned one of my marinated takeaways, ranting right. and raving about the great Rasheed Rice, the rookie, uh, in last segment. So we'll go one, 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 one. Or I guess, you know, you can go first. And so my, my two will be in the middle. Uh, you can start here. What is your first uh, world famous from uh, the Bears Chiefs game? Well, I think uh, the thing that most people noticed, I don't know that this is all that marinated, but I, I'd like to talk about it anyway, um, is how evenly distributed the passes and the runs were in the Chiefs offense. I mean, yeah. it was nearly exactly 50-50. I always like to use the uh, pass-run breakdown and the snap count information that we get to determine that because I, I don't like to go through and figure out which ones are Mahomes' runs or whatever. Um, and 
that's so that's what I, the number I like to use for this. And it was 51% pass, 49% run. Mm. There were two games last year that were close to that. Uh, the Tampa Bay game in week four, and then the week 18 game against the Las Vegas Raiders, which were both, you know, like within a percentage point of two of 50, 50%. Yep. So it's not unknown for the Chiefs to do this, but more typically, it's like a two-to-one ratio. And um, I, I'd be very interested to know, um, and of course, some of this is because of the way the game went. You know, you get into a 34 to nothing lead at halftime, you're going to be more inclined to run the ball in the second half. That just goes without saying, right? Right. Um, so some of it is is because they got a, a lead early. But uh, and there were some games last year where they did not have a big lead, but won the game where it was like, you know, 56, 44. Uh, it, 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 so, you know, this is exactly what people wanted to see yeah. was to see the Chiefs run the ball a little bit more and uh, which would give them more options in play action, passing, so on and so forth. And uh, and and we saw that. And, and then the thing that's crazy about it is that. The opponent was also 50-50. Yeah. You know, behind 34 to nothing at halftime. Right. And they're not throwing the ball 80% of the time. And uh, and then what other statistic I like to look at uh, out of the snap count data is the number of plays. 75 offensive plays, 51 defensive plays. That is perfect. Yep. That's using up uh, a lot of the time on the clock with the offense not wearing out the defense and it and it indicates that the defense is getting off the field quickly all the time. So those numbers were all just fantastic from this game. The bears are a mess. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, and I mentioned this, this isn't, I'm not burning one of my marinated takeaways here. This isn't a marinated takeaway. This was a rapid takeaway that we put on the site, <laughs> but how often do, do the chiefs like lose or, or come close to flirting with the loss with bad teams? And it's so annoying. And I, I, you know, in the world of betting, they call it they They never are in a position to cover as they say, whereas yesterday it was one team who is one of the Super Bowl favorites among them. And there's another team who is among the, the, the teams that are going to potentially pick number one in the NFL draft. And you know what happened? Well, finally, what was supposed to happen after just the chiefs smacking them in the mouth and, and embarrassing them uh, on your home field. And so I, I thought that was refreshing for chiefs fans. I actually, my, my initial marinated takeaway, John, kind of plays off yours. And I, I it's hard to, for me to get out of these games. And I, I always say it like I just feel like the offense ticks better when they're, they're running the football. But I think just the Chiefs offensive play callers, just understanding that sometimes you got to eat your piece, right? If you're going to enjoy, enjoy dinner, you know, you're talking to Andy <laughs> Reid and, and Matt Nagy. I got this from PFF before we started. Isaiah Pacheco forced seven missed tackles against the Bears with 49 of his 62 rushing yards coming uh, after contact. I thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked great in this game. I thought Jarek McKinnon looked great in this game. They got a really good running back by committee. And when I say maybe, you know, Matt Nagy and Andy Reid need to eat their, their, their peas, I mean designed runs and making sure you're in the realm of like 5 to 15 in the first half. And you saw what a change and how, how great it felt like the offense was uh, going into this halftime locker room instead of last week when you only had the two rushes and you, you weren't able to, to get that that evenly distributed run-to-pass ratio, as John was was describing. They got some pretty damn good running backs on this team. And I just think, 
showing that they can be productive early really opens up what, what they can do in the pass game as I turn to Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, who I'm excited about, as Travis Kelsey looks a lot more like the Travis Kelsey we're used to uh, as far as uh, being a target for Patrick Mahomes. He finishes with a touchdown at 69 yards, and apparently he got the touchdown on one of those Kelsey-designed, I'm going to run where I'm, where I'm open type of routes. So... <laughs> Feel pretty good. You know, you establish a run in a way you establish the fun, and it was a really fun day for the fans at, at Arrowhead. All right, John, let's go to your second marinade to take away. Um, yeah, there's some other numbers from the game that I looked at this morning that are a, an additional indicator of how much better the Chiefs were in this game than they have been up to this point. Um, five for five in the red zone. How much have we complained about that? The red zone performance being down yeah. uh, below what we Mahomes actually leads see. the league in red zone touchdowns now, so that's yeah that's a good thing yeah. as well. Yeah. So and five for five in goal to go, and that's again mm. a function of being able to run the ball yeah. uh, more or less at will. Um, and then ten of 71 percent on third down. Wowza, that's excellent in the NFL. And like you know, three times what it was a week ago against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that they won. And I'll just make this other point because you were just talking about the running backs and, and I would bet that most fans watched that game yesterday and figured that the chiefs running backs averaged, you know, 5.4 yards a game uh, yards uh, per attempt. Nope, they didn't. It was 3.9. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it just goes to show that, the effectiveness uh, that we see in the running backs isn't always a function of uh, how much, how many yards they get and how many big runs they right. have, et cetera. In fact, uh, usually a high average indicates they had at least one really big run for 25 or 30 yards or something. Uh, what really counts is that they can be consistent and get a few yards every time they're handed the ball. And that's what we saw on Sunday from the Chiefs running well, game. It, it, sometimes it's just the frequency of doing it. Like even if you're stuck yeah. after two yeah. yards, it's like, well, there's the threat there. So maybe you mm -hmm. got to play a little bit more up and that opens things up for Kelsey and, and the cast of characters that chiefs have. And so, man, I, I love the offense when they're running the ball and they don't forget to like, I obviously they don't, they're not forget it, forgetting to run the ball, but you know what I'm saying? We're like, you're like, did they remember that they have one of the better young running backs in the league that broke seven tackles in the game? So I, I bet I thought, you keep that up. I don't see the Chiefs even flirting with any kind of loss with this cast of teams coming up uh, before you lead into that big time Germany game against the Miami Dolphins. Not to look ahead. I know if, if Andy Reid is listening, he's not he's not happy about me talking about it yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get into my final marinated takeaway. This defense is outstanding. This is the best defense mm -hmm. in yeah. in uh, the the Mahomes era. I noted that in the rapid takeaway. Here's my marinated takeaway. The beautiful thing for the Chiefs, you talk about signing a defensive lineman. This is all BC, you know. And what do I mean that by that? Before Charles, before Charles and Menahue is even back, this defense looks like one of the best in the league. What is it going to look like when you get your hand-picked defensive lineman back who can play inside, out, outside, bats balls down at the line? Pretty good pass rusher. You put him next to Chris Jones. You put him next to. George Karloftis and Mike Dana, who are absolutely tearing it up right now. Chris Jones looks like he's a man playing for a lot of money, and he is. And you know what? I, I think 
it's tough to say that he's going to be the defensive player of the year because you have other guys in the league, but I, I think he'll at least be in that realm of the conversation, those top three or four by the time the, the odds get there toward the end of the year. And I, I think you add a many of you to that mix. What quarterback is going to be comfortable playing these chiefs? And we uh, we're always so offense based when we talk about Kansas city because of Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and because of just how many points they're able to put up each and every year, they're in the top five always of points per game, but this has top five. You know, I talked about Rasheed Rice's ceiling. This has top five ceiling this year. And I think it's only going to be enhanced when you get Charles and back in the mix. So this is BC. I'm ready for that AAC to, to start after, after Charles returns. <laughs> and it's also BF before Felix. Right. You know, this is a guy who isn't really being utilized in the mm-hmm. defense as yet. And yet every time he is utilized, we see him getting production in pressures uh, and we see him doing things on the field that look really good for a young man who missed a big chunk of the offseason program. And um, uh, and I think that and you do Uzama. There you go. I'm still working on that. I get it right, but I have to think about it for a second. Uh, I think he's still going to be a player that by the end of the season is going to be productive. I think we're going to see some some good things from him before the season's out, just like we did with George Karlaftis last year. And well, you go into um, the year and you just don't have the names besides Chris right, Jones. Chris right. Jones and a bunch of names. And yeah, I, I yeah. think that was a big thing coming into the year. It's like, well, maybe you get to 2024 and people know Karlaftis. People know right. Dana mm-hmm. is. And I think right. we're seeing the, the starting signs of that. Completely All right. agree. Last one. Last one here. Uh, penalties. Oh my God! There were so many penalties last week. It was ridiculous, and they were. St- it were so many of them were stupid. Mm. And then yesterday, three penalties. Yeah. Night and day difference in how the the team looked uh, versus twelve penalties versus three penalties. And yeah, and two of them were stupid, as we've already addressed. You know right. that maybe shouldn't have been called in the first place. So that's a great, clean performance from the Chiefs. And that, you know, is an underrated aspect of what makes a game work. If you're not, you know, uh, Andy Reid talked about this, I think, in a quote last week that, right. uh, you know, the, the the percentage of drives that fail when there's a penalty in them is actually very high. I mean, it's just it's a negative play, just like a sack or anything else. And um, the only good thing is you get to do the down over usually. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, it's, the, you know, giving up five or 10 yards or 15 yards is a big deal. And uh, so it makes a huge difference if you can play a clean game. And the Chiefs did that. Uh, well, one on thing Saturday, on Sunday. Yeah. One, one thing that that stands out is that Reed last week was like, you know, we just clean up the turnovers and penalties. We'll be fine. And yeah. I just I think going back to the upcoming schedule. If you just really look at it before the Dolphins, as I've been saying, you got the Jets coming up on Sunday night. You got the Vikings. You get the Denver Broncos, the L.A. Chargers, and then the Denver Broncos. The division has not looked good. If you play clean football in those games, meaning you don't Mm -hmm. turn over or fumble it, and you have, as you're describing, John, less than five penalties, which one of those teams is beating you? You know what? Maybe the Vikings, if if the, if somehow the Chiefs' defense gives up yardage to to Jefferson and and Addison, mm-hmm. maybe the Chargers, who really haven't looked that great throughout the, the beginning of this season, they were close to being zero and three yesterday. They were they were fortunate to make a couple plays when 
Minnesota w- was threatening. They could have been winless at, at this stage. Yeah. The Broncos gave up 70 points <laughs> to, to the Miami Dolphins. Excuse me. Not- we, we need to laugh about that for a moment. <laughs> okay. Thank 70. you. 70. And the only reason <laughs> that they didn't give up the most points in NFL history is because the head coach said, I'm not going to embarrass this team. And they should feel fortunate about that because that's that would have lasted forever. Anyway, point is clean football against these teams g- going into that Dolphins game. Like I, you could play the cleanest football against the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are are proving that they could maybe beat you anyway, even in your best right. game. We'll see mm-hmm. about that. But these yeah. teams coming up, you should be if you just play clean ball, you're going to you're going to have a, a perfect stretch here, in my opinion. I think there's a lot to be said for that viewpoint. And of course, it's much different than it was when the season began, when we thought we'd be playing against a Jets team with Aaron Rodgers. Uh And we thought that Sean Payton would be making more of a difference in Denver than he's apparently making. I'm still kind of amazed by how little Denver has moved the needle with the changes they've made in the offseason. And, you know, maybe they'll turn it around and they'll be a better team as the season goes on. But up to this point, they've looked pretty bad. And, um, you know, the, the Raiders got beat last night. And, uh, right, they did lose last night, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, to the and, Steelers. Yeah. and Crazy um, call. I don't know if you saw this game. But I saw they, a little of it, just a little of it. They yeah. decided to do, do that thing that sometimes head coaches do where they take the field goal on fourth down and you take the ball out of the hands of your quarterback. I mean, I know, look, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback playing for you, but you got to go for the win there what are we doing yeah well that's just you know i'm just amazed that we didn't see we're not seeing better play out of the rest of the division this year because the chargers shouldn't be a good team you know they're all they, they you know there's a reason that people are always picking the chargers to win the division is that they've got some quality players there and uh we, we can be mad about it all we want but there's a reason that that happens before the season every well, the year. Chargers offense looks great. Uh, yeah, they did. They did lose yeah. Mike Williams for the season yesterday. Yeah, that's their, bad for them. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been their it's been their defense that has not been been right. good, which is why they're one and two. So we we'll see what happens. It's the Chiefs and the Chargers in a couple of weeks. But you got the Jets on Sunday. Pretty good defense. Um, Zach Wilson has looked bad. You know, it, it was a really truly you know impressive just you know, clean domination, right? I, I don't know. That, that's how I put it. Who who in the game stood out to you the most? There's a few players to me that that, that really stood above the, the rest, even though there was a bunch of good, good play among the defenders on Sunday. Well, Nick Bolton was out. And last year, if Nick Bolton had missed time, I would have been very nervous just because of the linebacker prospects that they had last year weren't the greatest. And this year they have Drew Tranquil, and he stepped in, and he fit like a glove playing that Mike role. He had some tremendous stops. So, I mean, you have to pay that attention. You know, you have to give him the credit for that, for being able to fill in for that spot. And, you know, as time moves on, you're going to see that I think Tranquil probably does some things better than Bolton, and Bolton does some things better than Tranquil does. But the Chiefs are, you know, Spags has always been good about getting his matchups, so they're going to find a way to blend that really well. And then, you know, what can you say? The secondary and defensive line, they were just, they were lights out all game. I mean, Fields, he did not like anything downfield when he was trying to throw, you know, the pass rush was getting back there to him. Chris Jones, again, for a second straight week, they get find a rookie to put him on. And for whatever reason, the teams keep trying to, you know, not help their rookies out. And then 
you got the supporting cast, Mike Dana, George Karloftis continuing to have big years. Derek Naughty was very big against the Bears did want to come out and run, and the Chiefs never really let him get it going downhill. They kept consistently forcing them into those bad three-and-out spots. The Bears only converted one third-down pass all day, and that was the uh, – well, they converted two. Uh, one of them was a negative – that was a negative play to Khalil Herbert, and the other one was the late touchdown in garbage time. Uh-huh. And that was the first touchdown the Chiefs had allowed in almost eight quarters of yeah. play. So yeah. this has been – and it really, even if you go back to the Lions game, they gave up that touchdown in the fourth quarter, but they still got off the field. To end, like the defense's last possession, yeah, they let the clock run out when they just had their backs against the wall there, but they got off the field. So, I mean, this is like – this isn't just a little bit of good defense for some bad teams. This is kind of looking like it could be the start of a dominant stretch of defense for the Chiefs. Man, I have to agree. I'm really excited <clears throat> about this defense. Excuse me. Just because you mentioned Drew Tranquil. You know, he's someone that I was excited about what he could offer as maybe that dime linebacker, that Mike, you know, that they can trust that, you know, as a play caller in those situations. But man, he looks like a guy that can that can hold his own in the run game in the box. You know, some, something I underrated maybe a little bit about him is, is, is maybe how well he can just be a traditional, you know, in, in, in an early down setting, you know, uh, filling in and, and being a good run defender like Nick Bolton is obviously maybe not to that extent, because I still think Nick Bolton is, is who you want just flying down. Fi- field and or downhill and, and and making plays in the run game but man you're right but i i, I did make uh, trent mcduffie my defensive player of the game because again he all over the place and you know we all know he's he's i, I tweeted at elmer's glue and coverage man he this dude's just sticky i mean he, you know you may there's obviously going to be some some concern for his lack of length at times in certain uh situations certain matchups but he's just so sticky but the thing on Sunday that really is is making me be like, whoa, we got something special on our hands here is how how well he or how much impact he's making in the other aspects of the game, including run defense, where there was one particular play I I, I noted because I went back and watched and made sure. But, man, the Chiefs might have had, had given up a huge run play off tackle because Justin Reed comes down, gets blocked up by the tight end. Linebackers get blocked up. If McDuffie doesn't fill the hole with a lot of strength, a lot of confidence, and make a great tackle in, in like the C-gap or, yeah, it was C-gap or D-gap, man, it, you know, it, it might have been a, like, you know, if he just missed that tackle, like a lot of corners do, you know, he, he might have just, just uh, you know, taken off down the side. been a huge run, a huge gain. At the same time, he also forced a fumble on another run play where he came up from behind as he's wrapping up. He punches it out. The second time he has forced a fumble this year, there's only two. He's one of only two NFL defensive backs that have forced two fumbles so far this year. Uh, Javon Holland from Miami, the other one who's a great player. Uh, you know, it's 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 a big thing. You know what McDuffie's McDuffie's showing right now, man. We he's already shown me that he's a great coverage player, but man, what he's what he's showing as well in in the other aspects of the game. Just you know, it's it's the reason why you didn't sniff a Sneed extension because this guy can be Sneed, you know. Plus, you know, I think I think even a, another tier of coverage and all that. Uh, what do you think about McDuffie and the rest of the, the coverage on Sunday? I think if they kept him as an outside corner for every play of his career, he'd have an outstanding career, but he'd never really get the recognition he deserves because he'd always be out there and no one would throw to him. So he'd like, wouldn't have these, like, you know, he like when you look at the box score, you wouldn't see a lot. He'd always be the guy that has like a high grade, but you wouldn't really see him. And, you, you know, people would be like, well, he's there. He's shutting guys down, but he's not making an impact. 
when they allow him to go play inside, that's when you see how dynamic he actually is when he does get around the football. And I love that they're letting him do that because it's just showing how complete he is a player. I mean, there's a reason that Brett Veach traded up to get him because they loved everything about him from his football instinct to his sticky coverage. And last season, I think, was about him getting his feet wet and showing off his coverage. This year's right. showing off about how big of a ball hawk he is or yeah. just how good he can actually be. And I think that, you know, with him being a little bit smaller, they do need to be careful in some instances how much they do let him loose on the inside there. But I think going forward in, like, big games and big spots, I think seeing him on the inside, that we should probably know that's a, that's a time when the Chiefs are going to want him to step up and make a play on the football. Man, because you're – I. That was the thing with McDuffie. I was a little worried putting him inside. You know, I, I think he's good enough to play inside, but maybe he, we'd lose a little bit of what Sneed gives you on the inside in terms of being versatile against the run from nickel, you know, uh, just in general being a playmaker, you know, blitzing off the edge sometimes. He can do it, man. And 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 in ways, you know, he's 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 a dog, man. At his size, man, he's just an absolute dog. So shout out Trent McDuffie. Before, uh, real quick too, shout out Joshua Williams. I noted on Twitter. He's having a a great statistical year. He's only allowed two catches on seven targets this year. That's like 26% catch rate. It's it's tied for the – or no, it's not tied. It's actually the fifth lowest uh, catch rate among cornerbacks with the 50 snaps this year per PFF. Um, And he's allowing 41 passer rating so far. Uh, So McDuffie's looking good, but Joshua Williams hasn't allowed much his way either. And he's he seems to be, you know, kind of coming into his own as that 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 physical skill set. Um, that we kind of saw with his length and everything. So excited to see him continue to progress. Um, go ahead. We're going to see the next couple weeks how good these guys are. You know, next with the Jets, you know, Zach Wilson is what he is. They'll probably just try to run the ball, control the clock, and muddy it up. But Garrett Wilson is a stud. And then a week after that, they're going to Minnesota. And that's yep. going to be a desperate team looking to probably throw some big shots out there. I'm with Justin Jefferson. We're going to see. You know, we're going to get to see a little matchup there between some of these guys in the secondary, especially, you know, probably McDuffie. That's the thing. I mean, I, I we're probably going to see Snead on him for the most part, just because that's how they treated Calvin Ridley. And uh, I'm surprised by that, but I do get why they like Snead's, you know, physicality is that, you know, kind of maybe, you know, kind of uh, frustrating those kind of receivers. Right. Um, even if maybe he's not the cleanest coverage guy like McDuffie would be, there's going to be times where, you know, he's going to give up the catch down the field, even if he has great coverage, because it's Justin freaking Jefferson and maybe some, having someone like Snead where he's just so much longer and, and more physical. It, it's it's interesting, but it's nice to have options. Right. And so it's, it, it is really cool what the Chiefs have in the secondary right now. But we do need to keep talking about the defensive line. Uh, we, we like to on this podcast, look back at kind of what we were talking about, looking into the Bears game. And one of the things everyone was talking about was the bad offensive line. Right. Uh, you know, in Chicago. You know, you highlighted it on Twitter. I highlighted highlighted it. They lost their left tackle uh, before, you know, midweek to IR. And the Chiefs, you know, made it look like, you know, the the mismatch it was, right? And uh, you you mentioned Mike Dana earlier. Early in the early in the game, using a dude as a freaking blocking shed or a, a, a yeah, a blocking, uh, you know, a, a, you know, in a football practice, a blocking shed. Just absolutely driving him into the quarterback. Uh, he didn't get the sack, but I think he, I think someone else cleaned it up for him. Uh, Drew Tranquil got in on that and Karloftis, I believe. But 
you know, Dana just continuing to look strong, but Karloftis too, man. I think it's worth throwing out these stats real quick here, Caleb. I'll let you react to them. George Karloftis at this point, and, and Monday Night Football is yet to play, but, you know, that's four teams. Uh, and, and, you know, there's some players in there. But the only players for that have more pressure so far this year than George Karloftis are Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, TJ Watt, and uh, – oh, shoot, I, I forgot the last one. But uh, I have it in front of me. Crosby. Yeah, Max Crosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five players. Five players have more pressures right now than George Karloftis in, in terms of number of pressures. And you know what the crazy thing about that is? Is he has a higher pressure rate than a lot of those guys. Only, uh, only Garrett and uh, Micah out of those two have a higher pressure rate than George Karloftis does uh, out of the guys I just named. He's not just doing it because of, of quantity. He's getting after it. And, you know, before it th- just... I think one thing about it is like, yeah, it, it, it's not turning into like a bunch of sacks yet. Like he's not a sack leader right now. Like there's guys that have a bunch of sacks, but I almost think it's more, it, it, it's almost more encouraging that it's just, you know, it's, it's just happening off, you know, more and more. It's not him running into stuff. It's him causing other people to get sacks because, because he is, is, is kind of causing the pressure. What do you think about Karloff this through three weeks? Well, I mean, the Bears' game plan was baffling for him. They tried to block him up with, like, Cole Komet and the tight ends early on. And that, like, the first play the Bears ran, they almost gave up a safety because Karloftis just blew past their tight ends. Um, He hit uh, Darnell Wright with a really nice push-pull move at one point that I saw. It was late. It was was like a late in the first half passing down. He hit – he has a really nice move there, but – I mean, when you get these one-on-one matchups, when they're like kind of keyed in on a Chris Jones like that, you you just have to be able to take advantage of all that because you know very rarely are you going to get a ton of chances where you're going to have you know be able to be around a guy like that. But I mean, you're seeing the improvements he's made athletically. Also, he definitely looks more fluid. There was a couple of plays where he did like get a little dip and bend there around the edge and I think it's you know just the way he's continued to work his hands like I mentioned that push and pull move you know that was stuff he wasn't doing a year ago so there's a concerted effort on his end to continue to get better my thing with this though and when you're looking at Mike Dana the reason I think we should be optimistic about all these Chiefs rookies is that Dana we really have seen him like actually progress since he got drafted We've seen him, you know, come in and they didn't really know what to do with him at first. And then you see he's you can put him on the guards opposite of Chris and he was just blowing through guys. I mean, he is having, you know, he may be most underrated player in the entire AFC West right now, the way this season has gone. Because in these games where, you know, they are paying this attention to Chris Jones, that he's just being able to feast off of it also. And, you know, that's why these guys are having a lot of the success they have is because Chris Jones is the engine. But, I mean, he's doing the stuff on the – Chris Jones is doing the stuff on the early downs, too, to help these guys out. And then they're rewarding Chris by, you know, doing like uh, the Texans used to do with J.J. Watt, put him over the – you know, put him over the rookie or put him over the other team's worst lineman on a passing down and just say, do whatever you got to do, man. So – Right, okay then, uh, Chiefs at the Jets, our preview on the Great British Chiefs show, and, well, 
I've already messed up on the notes because I've put Bears 2022 record. <laughs> <laughs> Bears 2022 season record. And I've, uh, yeah, I've clearly haven't changed the notes on this. I've been a bit lax with the notes this week, haven't I, Tom? Yeah, it's like you were riding the Taylor Swift stuff. You thought, right, that can carry us through for the half of the show and then we just make up the rest, um, which is pretty much how the whole podcast has gone so far. Um, yeah, the Jets, there's two sides to the Jets. There's the really good side of the Jets and then there's the really bad side of the Jets. I reckon we should start with the really good side of the Jets. Which one's which? <laughs> yeah, the really <laughs> good side of the Jets. The bit of the Jets has been good for a couple of years, the defence. There's a reason why they bought Robert Saller in because that 49ers defence was very, very good. There was only one person that could break that 49 defense, and that was Patrick Mahomes with a 10-point deficit in the Super Bowl. That was it. That was the only person that could break that 49ers defense. So rightly, rightly, the Jets went out and got Robert Seller in the summer of 2020. Yeah, 2020. And defensively, they have been mustered pretty much since. They have a number of stars on that defense. They are performing unbelievably well. They are keeping their team in games. Like, I don't know how many drives there were between the Jets and the Patriots, but it felt like the team was, the ball was constantly switching hands because it was constantly punting. They probably had like 14, 15 drives each in that game, but the Jets find a way to keep their team in games. They they were the reason, them and special teams were the reason why they beat the Bills on opening night. They had a chance to win on Sunday against the Patriots. And the only reason they had a chance is because of their defense. So that's very good. But then you flip to the other side of the ball and it is just awful. It's laughable. Like, that's what it is. It's awful. I don't know if it is just Zach Wilson as well, by the way. I like... I, I, I Zach Wilson, like Zach Wilson, is horrendous, yeah. and the fact that people were comparing him to Patrick Mahomes when he was coming out of college is just laughable. Because people did, people done done this. They were comparing he's a big arm because he had a couple of like falling away throws and stuff that went like across the field. They said, "Oh, comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, that was laughable." But honestly, Brad, he is terrible. He's, he's obviously so got very bad. good agents. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched him last year. Against yeah. the Falcons. Was it last year or maybe the year before? Anyways, last two years, I watched him um, live in person in London. And he was equally as bad then and in front of me. And 10 months later or two years later, whenever it was, he just doesn't look like he's got any better. Now, we must obviously say this with a pinch of salt because he wasn't their plan going into the season. Their plan was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But that lasted all of four plays. But it just had, they hasn't found a way to pick up this offense at all since. And it doesn't help that the, the Jets went out and signed a load of wide receivers that are basically Aaron Rodgers' mates. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're any good. I don't know if Alan Lazard is any good or Randall Cobb's still any good. But the reason why they're on the Jets and not the Packers is because Aaron Rodgers wanted them on the Jets. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're going to be necessarily any good for. Zach Wilson. Now, I don't think Zach Wilson particularly will make them anyone, any receiver look any good. But I just think offensively, it's just, you just look at it and you're like, oh, brilliant. Zach Wilson thrown to old man Randall Cobb. Like, like it's just, it's awful. It's so, so bad how they are. I, I just, I'd hate to be a Jets fan right now. It must be excruciating. It's like Randall Cobb's the dad and he's just playing ball with his son, isn't he? Going, I'll run a few, yeah. son. You just throw the ball to me. <laughs> just awful. Awful. <laughs> i tell you what was uh, quite telling this as well. Uh, the, the last game that I watched uh, against the Patriots, they they really do 
try and, and engineer something from the run game a lot because obviously they, they really don't have any um any confidence in Zach Wilson's ability at, at, at any point. Um mm. and there was one of the players and I think uh, I think it was pointed out by the uh, the commentary crew but um <laughs> they tried a run a run play and they'd stacked the left side of the offensive line but not the right side and it was clear where the the running back was going to go. He was going to go right, and he just got gobbled up. It was three versus five mm. on that side of the uh, on that side of the line, and it it just got shut down every time. And I think there was another play as well, which um, I think they tried to do some kind of wide receiver screen, and it just fell down completely. I mean, it was the the, the Patriots defense. I mean, they're, they're obviously well schooled anyway. It's, you know, it's a better yeah. defense anyway, wasn't it? But you know, they they sniff that out straight away. So, you know, even trying to disguise some of these players seems to be a little bit of an issue. I don't like you said, I don't know if it's the play calls. I don't know if it's Zach Wilson just really not understanding what the hell he has to do on this offense. Um, but you're right, this offense really doesn't scare anybody. And it's it's having an issue with the defensive side because the defense the defense looks really good. They Yeah, they, mostly. Yeah, mostly, mostly, yeah. They, I mean, they, yeah. they sent four against the Patriots and they covered a lot. And they seem to snuff out a lot of what the Patriots were trying to do. Yeah, well, it does help that they've got Source Gardner, who's just like a machine back oh, there. He's awesome. He, he, he's um, outrageously good. But the offense, what makes me laugh is they just can't generate offense, like offense from anywhere. You look at their passing and their rushing stats from, from Sunday, they passed for 157 yards. Zach Wilson was 18 of 36. 50% passing. It's awful. And then on the ground, because Belichick knew that Zach Wilson is utter dross, that he could just basically sell out against a run. And they ran for 38 yards of 22 attempts. Of 22 carries? Yes. 38 oh, yards oh, of 22 God. carries. The Jets on Sunday against the What's Patriots. What's the average on that per carry? <laughs> <laughs> 1.4 yards but I don't know not even that 1. Yeah. 6 yards a carry like it's just it's just horrendous how bad the Jets offense is and you're you're they're going up against the Chiefs team that's defensively top three in the league right now and yeah. playing fuller confidence they like Chris Jones only played 16 snaps on Sunday because he didn't need to play anymore because the off defense is playing that so 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 well and the offense was playing well that I just don't see a scenario where the Jets, how they currently are on offense, can put up any amount of points to make them competitive against the Chiefs because the Chiefs will score on the Jets. The, Jet, the Jets will have success against the Chiefs' offense, but by for me, success is keeping them under 24 points. Yeah. And I think the Jets may do that. They may keep Mahomes to 24 or less. But there's no scenario I can imagine where the Zach Wilson-led offense with Dalvin Cook and this offensive line that can't block anything score 24 points. I just don't see that happening. Can't now, there's been talk. Fine. Well, it's not talk. They've signed him. They've signed Trevor Simeon. And Trevor Simeon, obviously a former Broncos quarterback, he's faced the Chiefs a few times. And he's always done terrible against the Chiefs. He's not a very good quarterback. There's a reason why he's been a free agent for so long. He's not a good quarterback. And I don't feel like there's much of an upgrade between him and Zach Wilson. Yeah, he offers a bit of a veteran presence, but is veteran presence actually that good of a thing if you're not any good? Like, it's, yeah. it's all well and good. I'm 35 years old. 
I have a veteran presence, but I'm still not any good at it. <laughs> so you don't want me around. You're still like, old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm still old and not as physically gifted as I once was. Yeah, but so, I know I knew how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't I don't really understand why bringing Trevor Simeon in makes much sense. I would if I was them, I would probably try to begging Matt Ryan or someone like that to try to just beg him and say, right, do you want to come back? Maybe get an older head with a bit more experience, but actually played well in the league when he was in. <laughs> Maybe that might, even Cam Newton, like bring Cam Newton in for Christ's sake. Go get, go get Colin Kaepernick. Anything. <laughs> any, any, he's Haven't better he got than an injunction his... against him because he's <laughs> yeah. turning up at the facility. <laughs> anything is better than, than Zach Wilson right now. He's awful. He's awful. But I don't think Trevor Simeon is that much of an upgrade. So even if they do start Trevor Simeon, they won't start him. Zach Wilson will start. But even if Trevor Simeon comes in for the second quarter after Chris Jones has destroyed Zach Wilson five times and he's thrown three picks to Trent McDuffie and Joshua Williams and Brian Cook or whatever, Trevor Simeon might come in, but it's not going to be that much better for him. Like this offense, it just stinks. It stinks so badly. Yeah. like... Oh, but a penny for McCall Harmon's thoughts right now, honestly. I it just it must it must be so 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 bad being a receiver or any offensive player in that in that room. Just putting that offense into perspective here, uh the offense is 32nd in total passing yards. Really? 32nd. <laughs> really? 22nd in total rushing yards, 32nd in total yards per game, and 32nd in time of in time of possession per game as well. So they're not they're, they're, they're literally not sustaining any drives whatsoever. Literally, I, I mean, I haven't even checked, but I don't have they got a first down yet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yet. Well, it's, they seem to have like four like chances to win against the Patriots or tie against the Patriots but every single time they're just freeing out freeing out freeing out freeing out it's just it's bad I I can't believe this game Sunday night football genuinely it's it's a primetime game I mean you've got to get up early to watch this one I just I don't do you know what I'm off on Monday and I don't think I'm going to get up and watch it live I genuinely think I'm just going to watch a rerun on, on Monday morning because this game is a contest it's just it's just not one. It isn't. Like, we were just as arrogant about the Bears last week and we were proven right. But this one even more so because I just don't know how the Jets score points against a team as hot defensively as Kansas City are right now. They're just, they're just awful. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There will be some interesting tailgates going on in the Truman Sports Complex parking lot. Let's go ahead and uh, and preview that Chiefs Jets game. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Uh, I want to get to some milestones before we get to injuries these were eclipsed in the win over the bears andy reed solidifies his 271st career win that moved him past tom landry for fourth all time on the uh head coach's list for wins we are witnessing greatness when it comes to andy reed and these chiefs as well as their quarterback patrick Mahomes, officially becomes the fastest quarterback ever to reach 25,000 passing yards, did it in 83 games. The record previously was held by Matthew Stafford, who got it done in 90 games. Cool stuff there. Now we're talking Chiefs-Jets, and the first injury report of the week is out. It's Wednesday when we record these Thursdays in your feed. But a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy injury report list, only a few of them limited or did not practice. Kadarius Tony and Chris Jones listed as limited participants. Tony with the toe. Chris Jones with a groin injury. Nick Bolton is once again absent from practice dealing with that ankle injury. And Noah Gray was sick on Wednesday and did not make it to practice. I think of those names before I hand the rock over to you, Mark Gunnels. I'm paying attention to Kadarius Tony. The Chiefs have been monitoring his snap count and his usage very, very closely. I believe he only played 10 snaps in the game against the Bears. Obviously, they didn't really need him, but he has not played much in Kind of all three games, I kind of figure that this may happen, especially kind of how we talked about him leading into the year with the injury, trying to rebound, had the surgery in training camp, didn't practice a lot, and then the letdown in week one. They've been very careful with getting him back into the fold. Who has your attention from uh, the injury report headed into this Jets game? Yeah, so obviously Kadarius Tony, but I'm also looking at Nick Bolton. Um, the fact that he didn't practice again, he didn't practice last week either. Now, maybe it's a precautionary thing because I don't think they need him again this week against the Jets in that offense. So I'm okay with him sitting out again. But I'm wondering, is this actually more serious than is being led on? Um, so I'm I'm, look, I'm keeping my eye on that, but I'm not overly concerned 
as far as Kadarius Tony, I think he will play again, but I think it's going to be this common theme all year where he plays, but his snaps are very, very far few in between, especially with the emergence of Richie, uh, not Richie James, but Rasheed Rice. I, I think that and the fact they're showing confidence in him so early, I think that kind of makes it easier to kind of slow play Kadarius Tony than obviously Sky Moore. We know MVS is always going to get the snaps and Justin Watson as well. So it's a pretty crowded room of guys that they seem to trust. So I don't think there's really a, a need or a rush to get Tony out there and have him play 50% of the snaps right now. I think another thing that's kind of helped is the emergence of this Montreal Washington uh, kid, the returner uh, from Denver. Oh, we good. had a chance to catch up with him uh, in the locker room on Wednesday after practice, said, hey, he was just eager to have a role, found out that he would be um, coming on to the roster late and was excited to just, uh, you know, help out the champs and get them in good field position, had three punt returns, the longest of which went for 23 yards to help set up KC in that situation. Look, I don't think they're rushing KT at all. As we've said multiple times on this platform, whatever he gives you is gravy. We think the trade is already justified based on what he was able to do in the Super Bowl against Philadelphia. Make sure he's right. Make sure his confidence is there because you don't want to put him out there and then have a disaster strike or anything like week one. Slow play it. There's uh, reinforcements behind him, and uh, I don't think we're too worried. Even if Nick Bolton had to miss – this is the time in the schedule that you want to miss, Mark, right? Like Bears and Jets. Like I couldn't script up any two better games uh, for a guy to miss who we know is a big part of what they like to do down the stretch. Yeah, 100%. Then next week, you're actually playing a real offense. I know they're 0-3, but the Vikings offense is legit. Uh, so that would be a game maybe where you do want your defense at full strength because they do, they do put up points despite them being winless at this point. Mark, I got aggregated today. What's up? I hate when that happens, man. I, and it, it it wasn't for... Uh, okay. So we're talking Chiefs Jets. So we're in the locker room. And we wanted to get an opinion from one of the Chiefs defenders on, you know, what they see from the Jets offense. It wasn't me specifically who asked this. I thought it, and I was around when it was asked. Um, but my good friend Todd Lebo from Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City asked Willie Gay, when he cuts on the film, what does he see from Zach Wilson and the Jets offense? Kind of stopped, paused. Uh, you know, you could see a little smile developing. And his first words after that was, were, he sees a team that likes to run the ball or wants to run the ball. And then he kind of went on and said, you know, didn't mean that as a slight to, to Wilson, but, you know, they had a big change at the quarterback position. None of that nuance mattered. I mean, none of the nuance mattered at all. Oh, Serta says he has the video, actually. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we had that. Yeah, let, 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 let's hear from Willie Gay right now here in the locker room. <laughs> when you look on tape, what are you seeing from Zach Wilson in their offense? Damn. That was a hard question. I can't lie. Uh, the team that want to run the ball, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of course, man, you know, not, not, that wasn't, you know, to be funny or anything, right. but A-Rod got hurt and it turned into a team where, like, in panic mode almost. That's what I see, at least. And um, they got great running backs, so now they're just trying to pound it, pound and ground, um, like they did uh, 
what, what, what game was that? Who did they just? I don't know if they won or not, but uh, I feel like the running back's been rolling. So, uh, like I say, three great ones. So, that's, I feel like that's their game plan. Is that bulletin board material in your opinion? First of all, why do you seem like so stressed out about this or worried? <laughs> Look, I don't. It does me no good to put dudes in in position where it looks like they're taking shots at one side or another. That's why I included the whole quote in that tweet. That's why I tried to add as much context as possible. I put the full question in there, put part of his in. Like, I, it doesn't do me any good. A lot of people will be like, oh, you, you click made. And you, like, no. Not, I am the one who actually has to go in there and see these guys again. The last thing I want to do yeah. is have to have an awkward moment or anything like that. Yeah. But I see think, it. let me just say this. I'll, I'll pass it after this. Why is it so hard to say, say guys are struggling? Why is it so hard to just say, you know what? He looks uncomfortable. We're going to make sure he stays uncomfortable. I don't, I think when you try and like dance around it and like kind of smile and laugh and smirk, it almost makes it worse, Mark. It, it almost makes it like, it almost is like the elephant well, in the room. Avoiding. Well, I mean, first of all, shout out to that J school in Columbia, man. Great journalism uh, skills by Aaron Ladd there. Give him the full story, man. Hard hitting journalism, baby. I love it. Um, but he's not wrong, though. And shout out to the Kingdom Queens for saying that. He's just stating facts. I mean, like I say, it's just facts. It's just facts. I mean, and, and am I scared to poke the bear of Zach Wilson? <laughs> like, who is Zach Wilson for me to be like, uh oh, I gave Zach Wilson bullets and board material now. Oh, I need to watch out. He's going to throw over 300 yards and four touchdowns on me now. <laughs> like, no, this is Aaron Rodgers or something or Josh Allen. This is, this is Zach Wilson. If anything, I want him to feel like he has to prove a point. That means he's going to throw some picks. He's going to be forcing stuff and trying to be out of body. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who who gives a rip if I give Zach Wilson Bullets of war material. In that uh, clip, Willie Gay said that the the Jets running backs had been rolling, and that that was really going to be their their point of emphasis entering this game. The Jets running backs are averaging uh, four yards a carry uh, and and ninety one yards a game. So, um, you know, it's oh, just, wow. you know, oh oh oh. Do we have a breaking news sounder, Serta? Just you got breaking news here for us. I have breaking something, just, news. something just came across. Jordan Schultz, very, very credible source, just tweeted Taylor Swift plans to be in attendance for the Chiefs Jets game this Sunday night in New York. Wow. Why did you waste our breaking? Taylor Swift will be in New York Sunday night, baby. Uh oh. This thing is rolling, man. This thing is rolling. Why? Why did you? That's hey, that, that's breaking news. Wow. I'm looking at the post now. Taylor Swift plans to be in attendance. I'm like, and it's Sunday night. You know, Chris Collins' work is going to be all over it all night long. This is, you know, I went to school for this, right? Like, I went to journalism school. You know, I yeah. took out student loans, and now y'all got me tracking down Taylor Swift. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. 
So you got nothing for Zach Wilson? You got more. You got more energy for you got more energy for Taylor Swift than you do for Zach should. Wilson. As I should. As I should. Zach Wilson would not be in this league in two or three years. Two or three. All right, am I being too nice? Well, they did uh, some actual football news. They actually did bring in Trevor Simeon this week, signed him to the practice squad. Yeah, he could potentially um, see the field this week against against the Chiefs. I mean, hey, it could get ugly. I mean, let's say if the Chiefs get out to an early lead, and you know, New York fans are relentless, so I can hear the boos already, and they might start chanting Trevor Simeon's name. You know how fans are with the backup quarterback. And it's New York, so, I mean, it's possible. I mean, he just got there, though, so he probably doesn't, doesn't know the playbook, really. So, I doubt he gets in this week, unless it's just – it has to be just complex. He's fumbling. The game's out of hand. And they're just like, let's just see what he got. We'll give him, like – we'll script, like, 15 to 20 plays, see what he can do. All right, let's get into some football. All right, when the uh, when the Chiefs have the ball, we do this Whew. every week. I, I, this is where I, I want to go. And there, th- this may get some furniture moving here on the pod. I know Serta's very emotional about this. I want to say this is this is the field right now. I, I'm over it. I don't want to hear or see any more whistles or penalties for illegal procedure. For Jawan Taylor. That's it. I don't, I don't want to see any more. No more excuses. Nothing. I'm, and I will acknowledge the week before when Serta came on here after the Jacksonville game uh, complaining that he's a marked man. I said he's a marked man, but I think he legitimately committed every single one of those penalties that he had in Jacksonville. I will acknowledge he got hosed and screwed over, especially on the MVS touchdown. He was, he was clearly, to me, close enough. Greg Olson said it is himself when he was calling the game. I do not think that was a penalty, and I think that was that was definitely a he's a marked man type of thing. But my thing is this. You line up in a space where they don't call it. There are spaces where they don't. You line up in a space where you don't call it. I'm watching, I'm watching games, and I can see it. He doesn't and, and here's the big thing and I totally agree with something you said last week BK is when a guy isn't having these penalties called he is really good especially in pass protection he is really he's been really good like Aiden Hutchinson he he blocked him pretty well they had to move Aiden Hutchinson inside and start going against Trey Smith to actually get some some uh, some play for Aiden Hutchinson he's been really really good I just don't think that he needs it is it is part it is it is imperative for him to have this advantage for him to be able to do his job well all right uh, clearly i'm just saying it just i'm over i don't want to hear it anymore i don't want to hear another one of the penalties just stop just get up on the damn line and get to a space where they don't have to call it and let's go so here's the problem cuz like i'm i'm with you theoretically speaking the the problem is it doesn't sound like you're about to be with me the NFL is not allowing me to have that opinion because the NFL is very clearly like it, it's they are officiating him differently than every other tackle in the NFL. And I know your retort is, well, then line up differently than every other NFL. And I'm telling you, I don't know how far he needs to go up. And I don't think the Chiefs do either. And so, like, there comes a certain point in time where the league just has to say, OK, here is what is a penalty and be definitive about it. 
and here is what's not a penalty and be definitive about it. And until they do that, man, I don't, it's, it's like being a cornerback sometimes in the league where you're like, okay, how are you calling holding? And the problem is Jawan Taylor gets away with exactly the way that he's lining up in the third quarter doing so in the first quarter. If you penalize him on the first play of the game, and then you penalizing him again on the third or fourth uh, play of the game, and you just officiate him that way, I'm totally with you, Ron. You better get your butt forward. Like, they have shown you early on in the game they are going to be a big stickler for this. What they're doing, though, is they're just randomly calling it, and then they'll just call it consistently for a drive, like, in the middle of the third quarter. It's like, okay, cool. Like, he was fine for the first two and a half quarters of this game, and now it's something different. No, he's doing the exact same thing, and they're officiating it differently. He has eight penalties so far this year. Next highest among all offensive linemen is six. After that, it's five. So you're telling me that Jawan Taylor is twice as bad as the third worst offensive lineman in the league when it comes to his penalties? He shouldn't be. This is a league issue, and I I legitimately fear, feel for him because I don't know how it gets fixed. It's insane that this had never, ever been an issue until week one of the NFL season. And for some reason, like Chris Collinsworth, his watch games where players have done that before and never brought it up, never made it such a big thing that now it's turned into this absurd storyline in the NFL where not only is it costing the Chiefs opportunities in an actual NFL game, which is absurd, but it's also making people question the play of Jawan Taylor, who has been excellent for the Chiefs this season. And it's really unfair to him as a player. And I, I know I was a lot more fired up about, about it than you guys were after week one and or after week two. And I, I think everybody should be fired up about it now because it's ridiculous. It's We saw Lane Johnson on Monday Night Football against Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing the exact same thing. He wasn't getting flagged for it. Like We've seen other offensive linemen across the league do the exact same thing. They aren't getting flagged for it. And so if you're going to enforce it for one player, enforce it for everybody. That's all I'm saying. Like That's fine. I'm fine with that. If it's a flag, make it a flag for everybody. Make them adapt. Make them get better at doing that. But what the Chiefs are saying, and Andy Reid, who doesn't ever do this, Andy Reid on Sunday and Monte said it was bogus and called them out. And Andy might get fined for that because they do not like it when coaches do that. And Andy never does that stuff. But they're obviously frustrated about it. And they feel like he's being targeted as an individual, which is a competitive disadvantage for the Chiefs. And it's all it's all ridiculous. It's all absurd. And I'm upset about it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I I think this week it had it it entered absurd. Yeah, I I think I think it, whether you call it or not, it is a clear advantage how far back he was getting lined up, and I know he's done it for years, but it's a clear advantage. All right. Well, and, then and, officiate and, it the same across the league. Like officiate is, Lane Johnson the same way that you're officiating Jawan Taylor, or uh, hell, forget that. Just officiate him that way, and they're not doing that well, either. Well, what I'm saying is. This has to stop. Okay, he's not been excellent because he's got eight penalties, as 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 you just said, BK. Well, bogus or not? Now, not all of them are bogus. Let's just be honest. Not all of them are. Against Jacksonville, when he knew he was going to be a mark man, he was still trying to trying to push the line, and they popped him a couple of times. What I'm saying is, it has to stop. And I'm not I'm not I'm not arguing anything that you all are saying. What I'm saying is the Chiefs need to go into the game with the official and get with the officials 
to let them know what is good and what is not. Like, literally, it has to be to that point. To you figure it out because they can't, they can't, they got their loot, they're having touchdowns taken away. They're, 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 it's messing up drives. It is messing up plays. They have got to get this fixed and figure out some way. And the thing that is for me is he doesn't need this major advantage to have it happen. All right. If you got to go to the guys before the game and go him and Trey Smith stand out there with officials and say, all right, where is the spot? Where is the spot where I can line up where this isn't called every time? Where is the spot? Aren't the officials supposed to give them a nod too? Like when they're lined up, like, like, shouldn't they be like, Hey, Juwan, you got, you got to scoot up or we're going to flag it. Like that's their job. They're supposed Juwan to also has that. to ask for that. Though. He has like to. Ask, I, I will guarantee you, if Juwan got so a tell nod, him he better ask for it on every snap. <laughs> if Juwan got, I'm just saying, if Juwan got a nod and they called it for him on it anyway, I think we would we would see a a, a crazy reaction. I'm pretty somebody. sure that happened in an NFL game recently. Yeah, <laughs> it happens to wide receivers sometimes where I'm, there's not communication with other. I'm officials, talking about but. it hadn't happened with Juwan. Okay, I. Like, whatever has to happen, this is the fourth week of the season. They have got to get an understanding on this and stop on this because it, this advantage is not something that he desperately needs. Okay? Like, it, it's not. And so The problem, got- Ron, though, is that it's a muscle memory thing. Like, you get down into your stance. I mean, you, you remember this, and we obviously didn't play at the level of these guys. We certainly weren't the athletes that these guys are, but – getting into your stance is something that has been ingrained in you for a guy like Jawan Taylor for 15 years. And it sounds like it's super easy of like, Hey, transition from the left to the right side, or Hey, change the way that you get down into your stance or change the way that you're lining up. It's not as easy as it may appear to be on the surface for a lot of guys. And I know it's probably something he's going to have to do. I think he changed a little bit of what he was doing last week, but it wasn't enough for the league. And so now he's going to have to make another adjustment to it. Yeah. I just think they have got to take, I'm not, however hard it is, they've got to stop getting penalties every week. They've got to have stop having plays called back every week because of illegal procedures, right? They just have to, they have to fix that. They can't, they can't just keep going on. Well, all right, man, they're not being, they're not being real, uh, you know, under they're not really making their sales very clear on what it is they're doing. So we're just going to keep going on and on. And when they call and they call it. No, literally, I would I would have video footage of, of if, if I was out there with Terry McCauley or whoever is re- refereeing the game. All right. Tell me. Tell me. Is this it? So if he lines up right here every time and you do it like they've had to take this cat out of the game. <laughs> right. Like it's just I guarantee the Chiefs are going to propose some kind of rule change this offseason and be like, like th- this is a- Andy Reid being vocal about it says a lot. Patrick Mahomes was vocal about it, he's too. On the, he's on the and, competition committee. Yeah. yeah. And they don't ever do that. They don't ever criticize that. Andy goes out of his way. Usually he's like, yeah, when I say things like that, I get fined by the, the league. So I just try not to say things like yeah. that. And Andy doubled down on it on monday and was like yeah we're frustrated about it it doesn't seem like it's fair for everybody the thing that's going to be super frustrating for chiefs fans this week guess who's calling your game guess what's going to be called out probably on the first drive for the chiefs sunday night football chris collinsworth right back on this game i can promise you as nbc goes through their production meetings this week 
first thing that's getting brought yeah. up when so the Chiefs like, have the Shut ball. your mouth, Chris. Shut yeah. your mouth. Chris, uh, Chris Collinsworth is 100% bringing that. I'm telling you. 100%. I, I have – I watched him, especially the Jacksonville game. I watched him because I was – my eyes were, were up for it. And I watched him, and I'm saying, scoot up. Scoot up. Scoot up. Like, he's going to get called. Scoot up. He's pushing the boundaries. Scoot up. Like, I just – like, I, I notice it. And I'll be honest with you, I notice it with him more than others like it he he is sometimes i just i just go they, watch lane I, johnson lane johnson's the worst offender of all of they, this i just I, I they just gotta fix this they just they just can't to keep going with this and having these these things becoming an issue as you said eight penalties already all right when the uh when the chiefs have the ball uh even though i i don't think that that's going to stop them from from losing the game by the way as you understand where this game is we're opening up with juan taylor um Listen, the, the, the Jets are terrible, um, and it feels like the only way that they would even be able to stay in this game is if you let them stay in it by turning the ball over. And for me, the way I look at this is I am I am hoping to see a Travis-Kelsey game. And Travis-Kelsey, has he was injured the first game, obviously, you could tell he wasn't completely himself um, in the game against the Jags. And then you started to see more against the Bears. And then, I mean, then it was a college game and they stopped playing in the third quarter. And he had seven for, you know, 60, whatever yards and a touch. But, you know, most times we'll see six or seven ball games where Travis Kelsey shows why he is the greatest tight end to ever lace him up. And – I would like to see one of those games be tonight. Not just because Taylor's going to be there, not just because, but I want to see Sunday night football just kind of because I think also the, the offense is completely changed when he is like the Travis Kelsey in the Charger game, like the from last year, where he is just absolutely dominant. And that that is that is where I'm hoping to see a kind of return to Travis Kelsey showing why and having one of those the greatest of all time games the jets have a really good defense like Mm -hmm. i we all laugh at the jets for good reason because they're finding a way to continue to build around zach wilson which is just asinine like it's absolutely insane that they're continuing to do this but their defense is really good they've got a good pass rush they have an excellent front seven and they are very difficult to run against like can you run against them? Yes. Is it the best way to go about things? No, probably not. You you can run the ball a lot and you'll get like three and a half to four yards of carry. And we know with the Chiefs, they don't run the ball particularly well against anybody. So I don't think they're going to do it very well against this team in particular. This needs to be for me, Ron. I think a boring Patrick Mahomes game. And I think that means a lot of Travis Kelsey. It means just seven yards seven yards seven yards seven yards and that's going to kelsey it's going to sky it's going to rasheed rice all of those guys need to have not like eye-popping numbers at the end of the day but just a really efficient solid game if you can get that out of those three in particular i think you're fine just you have to avoid the big play going in the other direction because if the if the jets defense and special teams doesn't score i don't think they're capable of scoring more than 13 points against you and this Chiefs team, even when playing boring football, will score 17-plus. So 
I think that's the game plan that you go into this one. It's not going to be particularly fun to watch, but I think it's got to be a super boring vanilla game plan and you just get out of there with a win and you live to fight another day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.